You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Everyone pulling a fantasy football podcast, part of the Fake Teams podcast channel. I am your humble host, once conducted, now completely dead. Devin Funches hype train. Rom com aficionado said Christian McCaffrey was going to go a thousand and a thousand before it was cool. Worshipper of Nikhil Harry and Damian Harris, truther the married one, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by only one of the guys this week. It is just a sabacure. Proud father of Quentin Nelson, WNBA hot take machine, wine connoisseur, the man who boldly said the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will make the playoffs this year, working girl Jordan Smith. Jordan, how you doing today? Uh, feeling pretty good on that theory about Tampa Bay right about now. <laughs> it's looking all right. They got like Shaq Barrett, who suddenly just wants to be one of the best three defensive players in the league, which is great for me. Yeah, that's uh for the amount of shit that we gave you and constantly give you for it, it. This could be this could be one of the most bold and accurate predictions this podcast has ever created. Uh, Shaq Barrett, man, has just been on a tear. I don't, I haven't watched any of their games, so I don't know like what he's doing that's so unique. But he seems more or less unblockable and is like recording multiple sacks a game with ease. It seems. Oh yeah, and it's not one of those like. Vic Beasley things where he's just getting 13 sacks on like 15 pressures where he's just having an incredibly high and unsustainable sack rate. He's getting like pressures and sacks in very high numbers that makes you wonder what happened in Denver, man. I mean, seriously. Well, especially they would love to have him now with, uh, with um, not Nick Chubb, but Bradley Chubb tearing his ACL. That's a bummer. Oh, he tore his ACL. I didn't even see that. Yeah, no, he tore his ACL. So real chance the uh, Denver Broncos go. What if the Broncos out tank the Dolphins? I feel like the Dolphins, this is the issue with the Dolphins. Like we're committing everything to the tank is that, yeah, I don't know. You could also have other teams who just through the fate of how the, uh, how the NFL season treats them could just be like, well, you know what? We're just going to tank it away. Like what do the Broncos have to play for? the Jets could just not bring Sam Darnold back and just tank for that too. I I mean, I have two things on the Broncos. One, I like the Kevin Clark tweet from last Monday night where the Washington professional football team was just getting worked by Chicago. And he's like the difference between Washington and Chicago or in Miami, that Miami is losing on purpose. And I think that tweet also applies to the Broncos and that they're not trying to lose. They're trying to win somehow. And it's a kind of a different situation, different scenario, but I wonder how long it takes for Von Miller to like Khalil Mack his way out of Denver yeah. and go somewhere else. Especially those odds pretty high. I would put those odds very high. And yeah, especially since, you know, any kind of any contender would love to have 
uh, Von Miller on their defensive line, especially if you're looking to kind of bolster a defense in order to make a, a serious playoff or, or a Super Bowl push. I would not be surprised to see that. I yeah, this is just this is just the issue is that the Dolphins are tanking and making it very obvious. And if any other team beats them to that number one pick, suddenly what was the reason for trading away Laramie Tunsil and Minka Fitzpatrick? And you know, like what was it all for to get rid of all these young pieces in order to like achieve your tank and then the tank not be successful? And then they're gonna try to pitch it to you that, well, we didn't want the first overall pick after all, you know. We didn't want Tua or whom, whatever quarterback they got at the top of their uh, top of their charts. I was reading a mock draft today, and I, I, as I was going down the list, reading through these players, just seeing what kind of draft it was going to be for the first round, uh, Miami just kept their name kept on just popping up over and over again. It popped up like four times, and I'm like, how many draft picks do they have here they in have this first round? It's so pretty insane. Many. Yeah, they have a they- lot. They do have a ton, a ton of picks. Um, All right. Well, we got uh, lots to talk about today. We're going to give our week four, because that's what just happened. Week four fantasy MVPs. We got some injury news to get to, uh, waiver wire ads. And then, you know, maybe your waiver wire is starting to get picked pretty thin. Maybe you're starting to look at your roster more holistically. And you're like, I would like to make some real changes to the squad. We're going to give the six players you should be trading for in your fantasy league. This, this isn't, you know, just oh, six players. You should be these are the six players you should be trading for. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Let's start with our uh, week five, week four. Start with our fantasy MVPs for the week. Uh, Jordan, who is your MVP for week four? Uh, my MVP for week four, I'm going to stay with uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's Chris Godwin, who... Um, I don't know if this applies to everybody, but I did in one league decide to bench Chris Godwin uh, in favor of Nicole Hardman just because he wasn't practicing all week. He was like a limited participant in practice on like Thursday and was a game time decision. So ultimately, I just plucked him out of the lineup so I didn't have to worry about scrambling for another wide receiver at the four o'clock slot just to play. Um, But yeah, Chris Godwin just kind of prove that he was not hurt uh massing 12 catches for on 14 targets for a buck 72 and two touchdowns uh which wasn't great to watch on the bench but you know what he helped tampa bay secure uh along with uh shaq barrett and in dominican sue somehow a win against a very tough nfc opponent and keep them very much alive in the nfc south because the nfc south looks a little shaky right now so. Yeah, the MC South looks very shaky. Yeah, no, he's an easy pick. Uh, I, I, someone he's not my pick, but he is he is an easy pick for for the MVP this week. Uh, my pick is Nick Chubb, who carried my team to uh, one of my teams to to a championship this week. It's hard to say no to a guy who scores three touchdowns and whatever 160 plus yards, uh, and was part of that Browns revival of offense. Suddenly, now uh, looks like we actually have a team that is functioning an offense that cares that moves the ball. So Nick Chubb's easily got my vote for fantasy MVP of the week. Yeah. Nick Chubb. I feel like was the only guy who was likely a first round pick in your fantasy league who actually delivered on those returns this week, just because this was a super freaking weird. Uh, we like the first slate of NFL games. Like they, I was watching red zone and they 
were bringing out halftime stats and they were just the most obscure names and people that were definitely not on your fantasy team just taking these touchdowns out of hands of uh the people you have in your starting lineup very bizarre oh yeah no here here was here was the tweet we tweeted it out on fake teams uh some of the names that was touchdowns and i forget what the, you know this is like 30 minutes this is 30 minutes into into week four Ido Smith, Ricky Seals Jones, Brandon Bolden, Tremaine Pope, Trevor Davis, Devontae Parker, and Foster Moreau had all scored touchdowns. It's like great. Yeah. None of those guys were rostered. None of those guys were started. So thumbs up to uh to that, to that craziness I, that occurred. I don't know about the other people's uh stats, but I know Foster Moreau had the one catch that was a touchdown. Just <laughs> one was- catch on the day. So <laughs> those are the worst to it, guys. Those are the absolute worst, especially when uh, Darren Waller has yet to catch a touchdown and is still one of the best tight ends in fantasy right now. So if only yeah. he had caught a, t- a touchdown, he would have he would have pieced together an even more successful uh, outing in week four. But nonetheless, Chris Godwin, Nick Chubb, week four fantasy MVPs, you have our vote from the RB1 podcast. Let's get into a little bit of injury news. <laughs> We had two QB injuries. Josh Allen left the game against the Patriots with a concussion, and Mitchell Trubisky seemingly dislocated his shoulder and is out some time. Uh, with Allen, Matt Barkley came in to replace him. If Allen is not good to go in week five and Matt Barkley plays, uh, for me, uh, that's going to dampen uh, John Brown's stock a little bit. Matt Barkley does not have the arm that Josh Allen does and probably won't be pushing the ball downfield as much, but it probably bumps up Cole Beasley a little bit since uh, he's going to be that kind of slot target that Matt Barkley will check the ball down to all the time. And he saw it a little bit once Barkley took over for, uh, for Josh Allen when he left, but the Patriots defense is really hard to gauge anything against because they are just so deep in the secondary and they are playing out of their minds right now. So uh, that's kind of how I feel like things would shake out if Josh Allen is is missing week five. Yeah, Josh Allen was really living up to the uh, or to my Jay Cutler comp in his ceiling on Sunday because he's just he's reckless and that's kind of the thing you have to deal with with him. He was just run. He's got a big body, yes, but I think everybody from Cam Newton to Andrew Luck will tell you that if you have a big body, it doesn't matter. Like you're the quarterback, you should probably get down and uh, maybe not to be so reckless with the, as a ball carrier. But I mean, I also saw him just heave a ball into triple coverage. Yeah. Like running out of the pocket. And it's just that, that defense is incredibly good. And I like what they did in the off season. They invested in some of my favorite spots, but Man, when you're dealing with a quarterback who like is willing to throw the game away for you, that's pretty tough. But I don't think Matt Barkley adds much more value yeah. than him. No, and that defense—I mean, that defense looked really good. Both defenses were great on Sunday in that game, but that—but the Bills' defense especially was really containing the Patriots' offense to the point where I uh, wrote about them in this week's Panic Index on Fake Teams, uh, which you should go read. But I. I'm not thrilled with the Patriots' offense moving forward. So we'll see if uh, I know they won't be playing the Bills every week, but wasn't great to see that they had pretty much no answer and had to get a special teams touchdown uh, Matt Slater's first touchdown in his NFL career uh, in order to put this game away um, also quickly NFL rules dictates for all those people who want to throw Jonathan Jones in out of the league uh, 
who who put the hit on Josh Allen. As soon as you're running, you are a running back. You are no longer a quarterback. You're not a defenseless receiver or whatever that shit is. He is running. He puts his head down, and then there is contact. Helmet to helmet is not a penalty in under the NFL. What's a penalty is spearing or leading with your helmet, which is exactly what Vontez Perfect did uh, against Jack Doyle. And now he's out for the year, thank God because that guy is trash. But what Jonathan Jones did is not illegal. So everyone, uh, chill your beans. Or not not uh, evil and cruel or vindictive or whatever. Anyways, Mitchell Trubisky, Jordan, does this change <laughs> Chicago's offense at all? Because I don't really think so. I think it makes the offense a little bit better, actually. I think Mitch... I, so Chase Daniels is a pretty good veteran quarterback. I think if he um, has some of the good concepts down of Matt Nagy's offense, he'll be able to deliver a little bit more. And I think Chicago will have to try less to make their quarterback look good, if that makes sense. I mm-hmm. think that sometimes teams, when they're you know stuck with a high-value draft pick quarterback that is maybe not panning out as well as you would expect, they will, you know, do their best to kind of influence how he's perceived on the field by trying to make him look good with Chase Daniel. I think they'll emphasize other areas of the offense and that might unlock something a little bit for them. And uh, I feel like Chase Daniel can do more than just throw to his, his first look, you know? Yeah. I, he did look a lot more comfortable. I mean, which he should, he's a veteran who's played in Matt Nagy system for two years, three years now, like a couple more years than Mitchell Trubisk. Um, and he looked a lot more comfortable in that offense, making the reads and and kind of getting things set up. It just looked like it was moving slower for him than it was for Mitchell Trubisky. I'm hoping that this is the David Montgomery awakening, though. I'm not entirely sure that it will be given the fact that you can pretty much stack the box and challenge Chase Daniels to beat you. But I'm hoping that this is going to force Matt Nagy to be like, okay, we're going to establish the run. We're going to use our, our back and we're going to really emphasize that ground attack and maybe use some play action to get Allen Robinson uh, open downfield. But uh, I would love for a, a emphasis on David Montgomery. Nonetheless, I agree with you. I really don't see any change. Maybe there's a positive change. I'm not entirely sold on that, but I certainly don't see like, I think if you've been playing bears players up until this point, you keep playing Bears players. It's there's not a huge drop off between Mitchell Trubisk and, and Chase Daniels. Look, the Bears are frustrating from their running back perspective because they just are very determined to use Tariq Cohen in like some sort of special gadget way, and they've fallen into the Cordell Patterson trap of using him as a gadget player, and neither of which are substantial enough to provide you with any sort of actual fantasy value that you'd want to play them. But I think did Mike Davis miss this game? Not for, I don't think it was for injury. Was it or was it that his his wife had a baby? Something Everyone's like having babies, I, man. What happened nine months ago? <laughs> uh, it's September. New Year's babies happen. There you um, go. That's what it is. Everyone's celebrating the new year the right way. Hey, that's it's a thing. Um, but I, I feel like they were almost saved from themselves this week by just having David Montgomery being the primary like ground person and it's like come on guys just just give him the ball let him go to work he's a good receiver in his own right you don't need Tariq Cohen to be this special guy who is very uh very revealing to what kind of play you're going to run if he's out on the field right 
Yeah, I feel very much that like last year we saw flashes of Tariq Cohen and then everyone got super hyped. That was like, oh my God, Matt Nagy's going to have like this brilliant plan for this speedster. Like think of what he did with Tyreek Hill. Oh my God, Tariq Cohen's going to be that. And maybe Matt Nagy heard all of that and was like, yes, I'm going to show how awesome I am and I'm going to use Tariq Cohen. And then they just haven't found anything for him, but he's like not giving up. It's weird. It's I'm very glad that I have Treat Cohen in none of my leagues because I do not want to be constantly making the decision whether or not I'm starting or benching him this week. Yeah, Treat Cohen can be on the field for for second and third down, so it's like not really a one for one comparison. I'm sorry, Chicago. Yeah. No, not the same. Uh, moving on outside of quarterback injuries, we also had TJ Hawkinson left the, uh, the almost win by the Detroit Lions against the Kansas City Chiefs. Pat Mahomes looking, uh, dare I say, mortal, not even throwing for a touchdown, which is you know, a big deal when you're Pat Mahomes. Uh, but TJ Hawkinson left with a concussion. I have to say this, just a little PSA to the general football public out there. Can you guys stop hurdling? It's just after Vernon Davis tried to hurdle and then just basically jumped in midair, then got tackled. Like how often does a hurdle actually affect the play in a positive way? More often than not, you're just kind of like jumping in the air and then getting hit real hard. And so TJ Hawkinson tried to hurdle, fell down awkwardly and like cricked his neck and got a concussion. So who knows if he's going to be back uh, or what his timetable is. Logan Thomas is the next tight end on that depth chart. But I think if he were to miss time, if Hawkinson were to miss time, it would just be an emphasis on Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, both of whom looked pretty good against the chiefs uh, on Sunday. Yeah. The hurdle guys, it looks cool. Like on the jumbotron, when you do it, when you like halfway jump over somebody, cause they don't exactly line up their tackle on you, but also they're not like, exactly hurdling this person and then continuing to go at full speed they almost go down immediately after they make the jump so yeah is it you're trading off like an extra yard two or three yards for that or somebody catches you or takes your legs up over your head and you're going headfirst into the turf which is not great <laughs> <laughs> let me just say uh not exactly the result you're looking for especially since often when you're hurdling you're hurdling a defensive back who's like fully ducked his head down and has you know got really low and ready to take out your legs and so the whole point is that you're like oh you don't see me i'm gonna jump over you just just spin away it's not like he's looking where he's tackling he's got like his head down and it's just kind of grabbing at air so it's still effective to just kind of step out of his way you don't need to jump over him and and then you're right like often a hurdle is like you jump one person then you get tackled immediately afterwards it's like okay well what was the point of that other than just like showing off that you can jump over a human being who's in a squat i'm also afraid for like when saquon barkley does it like last year when he like jumped over people like into the end zone and like hyperextended his knee like, I'm always worried that that's going to be an even worse outcome. It's that somebody just blows their knee out because they land awkwardly or just, like, their yeah. foot decides to go sideways. Ugh. It's Ugh. A it's lot a- of shit can happen when you're up in the air during a professional football game. Yeah, yeah. Just don't put yourself in that place anymore, you guys. All right? Just uh, stay, off, stay off the hurdles. Uh, finally in the news... Jarvis Landry also left the Browns game with a concussion, despite putting being the best receiver in Cleveland on Sunday. He left with a concussion. Who knows if he's going to miss time, but if he does miss time, obviously Odell Beckham is going to be, uh, hopefully will receive some of those targets, but 
you're looking at guys like Antonio Callaway, uh, who's coming off a suspension and maybe could have a little something to offer, or Rashad Higgins out of the slot. Is there anyone who you're looking to specifically target with if Jarvis Landry misses time? I don't really think so, but maybe you do. Um, are we jumping right into trade targets? Because, because that could lead me right into my first one. Ooh, well, I, I wasn't planning on it, but we could. Should we just mosey right on in? Should I do a little intro? Well, that was the news, everyone. Intro's done. Uh, news is done. Right now, all right, we are going to talk because you want to build your perfect lineup. We're four weeks in. Now is the time where you can kind of like gauge your team. You know what plays good, who plays poorly, what your team is looking like, who are your best players, who are your worst, and maybe who around the league you can try to pick away from your opposing players. So these are the six players you should be trading for in your fantasy league emphasis on the the these are the guys these are not just uh, some schmoes that maybe you should target these are the guys you need to go get jordan after i ruined your perfect segue we're moving right into it who's your first guy that you need to be targeting in your fantasy leagues um so yeah this one might be a little bit difficult but i feel like in some instances with some players he could be available. Uh, I'm talking about Odell Beckham Jr. Um, because I have even floated the idea of just cutting bait and seeing what I can get on a return for Odell Beckham Jr., especially if I need a upgrade, uh, in this case, running back um, at a different position. Odell Beckham Jr. might be um, somebody that somebody who might be thinking like me where they just are you know, outside of a big play against the Jets in week two, Odell Beckham Jr. hasn't really, like, delivered as much as he could. He's been pretty fine in PPR leagues, but he's still just the number 24 wide receiver. And even going back to last year, it was pretty frustrating um, watching Odell Beckham Jr. A lot of that was Eli Manning. A lot of it was a stagnant offense. And uh, you never know if you make a move on Odell Beckham Jr., somebody could be thinking the same thing that, uh, man, maybe this is just Odell now. Maybe like the big plays or the touchdowns aren't there. But you should trade for him because I think the offense for the Cleveland Browns is going to start rolling. Um, it's something that I think it's pretty standard. Uh, in the first month of the season, everybody tends to panic or think a team is worse than they actually are. Um, the Cleveland Browns are working on putting together a lot of new pieces into an offense. The offensive line is not brand new, but they weren't good at the beginning of the season. And when you don't have like an anchor offensive lineman in there, that can really mean that you're just waiting for them to hopefully come together a little bit. It looked like they came together, especially for the running game last week Um, with Antonio Callaway coming back for them. I think that opens up the offense even more to do what I thought they were going to do in the beginning of the year, which is Antonio Callaway is the deep threat. He's going to be running down the field. Um, Rashard Higgins has been nursing an injury and Damian Ratley has been providing zero returns in that third wide receiver slot. So I think that opens up the field entirely. If Antonio Callaway comes back and starts producing uh, right away um, and spreading the field, Jarvis Landry back underneath catching the short stuff while Odell Beckham, gobbles up all the rest intermediate routes deep routes drag routes everything um i think that as soon as callaway comes back the as we go through the rest this middle part of the season that connection chemistry whatever you want to call it with odell or with baker mayfield also starts to build so he could be a very good buy low candidate right now 
Yeah, I love it. He was actually on my list, um, and then I I got rid of him so we wouldn't overlap. But this Browns offense looked the part, right, against the Ravens on Sunday. And I know that people are going to be like, well, Odell wasn't even targeted, in, or he was targeted seven times and only caught two balls in this sudden revival of the Browns offense. But I, I wouldn't worry about that. If the Browns offense is there, we finally saw what Freddie Kitchens wants to do. It was up-tempo. It was moving the ball quickly. Baker looked comfortable. He was only sacked once, which has been plaguing them throughout the start of this season. If this offensive line now is gelling and there's time in there, and you were talking, Jordan, about all the players who are going to come back uh, at the receiver position. Ricky Solos jones seems like a, a true weapon. Uh, the running game is going. like All of these things, I think, are building to a point where this Browns offense is going to look like what we thought it was and what Freddie Kitchens wants it to be and it, it, there's not a there's not like a question in my mind that even like that this perfect offense that Freddie Kitchens wants to have is going to like it's going to fixate around Odell like you can't you don't trade for Odell just to kind of like ghost him or be like well he's like our you know receiver two behind Jarvis Landry no Right, Jarvis just had the matchup that he was uh, he was winning on, but this offense is there. There's a blueprint is there, um, and I'm trusting that success to keep going forward. Now that Freddie Kitchens has set that template, and the points are going to start rolling for Odell Beckham. I just think that if you if you, you are in a league where the Odell Beckham owner is is getting impatient and is kind of willing to listen to trade offers, you should go in there, lowball the shit out of them, uh, and try to get Odell on your squad because the touchdowns and points are coming real quick. Yeah, the targets have dipped slightly over the course of these four weeks for Odell, but point being, he's st- like last or this past Sunday, he still got seven targets. It's only a matter of time before um, those targets start to translate into more catches, into more yards. Um, I, I just think maybe they thought they were, and I bet Odell thinks this too, Baker thinks this too, that they just thought they were trying too hard to put it into his hands, which is why those targets were so ballooned early up in the season. But I don't think that's for a lack of trust from them. I think it's just a matter of, okay, we need to wait until this offense starts to click before we can start rolling out. And it'll, it'll start to feel a little bit more natural for them. Yeah. And everyone knows an offense looks at it, looks its best when it's quarterback trusts the protection it's he's getting. And Baker again, like, that was what was plaguing this offense throughout the early part of the season. And then last week on Sunday was able to only was sacked once looked comfortable back there. The, the offensive line did their job and you have an offensive explosion. So hopefully that's, I think that's the biggest thing that if that is truly that offensive line is truly solidified, this offense is, is about to you know go crazy and start being one of the best ones in the league, especially with the Rams looking like garbage question mark. Uh, Browns could be taking over that top spot. My first guy is another guy who is, you probably invested a very high pick on uh, another kind of first round talent, maybe second round. Uh, He was a first round in the past, but I think he probably bounced out in the second round, Uh, but has kind of maybe been forgotten about. And partially because he had a week four bye. Le'Veon Bell, despite the fact that he plays for the Jets and despite for the the fact that people kind of love to shit on the Jets, especially since Sam Darnold's got mono, which is still just hilarious, never not hilarious. Bell is the focal point of that offense. He's averaging 26.4 touches per game, 3.4 yards on the ground against defenses not named New England. New England's defense is legit. 
but he, it's not like he doesn't, it's not like he's not being used in that Jets offense, right? It's not like he's getting the touches or the workload to get you fantasy production. Sam Darnold is making his way back, uh, which is great. Obviously he's recovering from, from the kissing disease and that'll help you know, open up the run game since there'll be actually a quarterback under center. But the biggest reason why you should be going out and getting Le'Veon Bell is because his week, his schedule after week eight is the Jaguars, Dolphins twice, Giants, Redskins, uh, Washington, Raiders, and Bengals, which is just kind of a cakewalk. Uh, and it's investing a little bit into the future, but I think Le'Veon Bell is a guy who you can probably sell two or three bench players to someone and and be able to get him onto your team. Maybe you bench him or, or stash him for a couple of weeks, and then once this stretch comes towards the end of the season, I, he's going to be a fantasy. He's going to put up fantasy numbers and be, lead you into that playoff real well. Uh, if there's something I really hate about the NFL scheduling, it's the week four bye. Like, that's one of the worst. So dumb. It's just what's it there for. Have. However, I do think if there was a team that absolutely needed a week four bye, it was the Jets. They are down to their third quarterback on the year. So they need, uh, they needed as much time as possible away from football to get uh, Sam Darnold back, which hopefully fingers crossed he's back in week five. But I like to uh, try to make a deal for Le'Veon Bell trade, especially if people think that his uh, first couple of weeks were just like a blip on the radar from people not really taking him seriously. Um, he definitely has been proven me wrong. Um, in terms of a lot, but you know, he was gone for football for a really long time, and uh, all the offseason stuff kind of made it seem like, oh, well, away from football, he's not exactly in football shape, let's say. Um, that stuff made me worried, but then you remember that when Le'Veon Bell was playing, he was one of the best players in the league, so yeah, um, I would definitely want to take a shot on Le'Veon Bell. And, Maybe I will. I need some money. <laughs> Ooh, we're convincing Jordan to make moves. Uh, yeah, I just and I also think that he's going to be one of the guys. And I don't know who's on your list, but but on at least on my list, I think like he's the biggest name who I feel like you can get pretty damn cheap. Uh, and just because he's coming off that fourth, you know, the week four buy, so his owners probably kind of already found a replacement for him more or less. And because he, you know, he's on the jets and, and his last game was against the Patriots where he only put up 6.3 fantasy points. Like he did not have a great game because the Patriots defense is, is stifling. I mean, let's, let's be real here. I mean, I'm not bragging, but, uh, and so you might be able to really kind of sneak him out from under uh, whoever's got him right now for pretty dirt cheap for a running back who, you know, anytime he was with the Steelers when he was playing was, one of the best fantasy options in, in fantasy. Yeah. Spoilers. Nobody's doing well against the Patriots. Yeah. So no one's, no one's doing well against that. Uh, Jordan, who is the second player that you just got to go? He is the guy that you need to be go getting. Um, well, let's backtrack then to who we were talking about earlier. And that would be the uh, Chicago bears. Chicago um, bears. I'm, I am wanting to target Allen Robinson here. He's the number three, 31 wide receiver in PPR and 42 in standard. Um, one of the reasons here is because uh, Allen Robinson gets Chase Daniel as his quarterback now. And he, depending on how whoever might own Allen Robinson right now, they can see that as a plus or as a minus. If they see it as a minus, that's a win for you. If they see it as a plus, then they see it the way I do in that 
I think that Chase Daniel will be a little bit more accurate in putting the ball where Allen Robinson needs to get the ball, uh, just running the offense generally. Uh, Allen Robinson started out super hot with 13 targets, going for 102 yards. Uh, since then, it's been three straight games of just seven targets, which is a little underwhelming. He has yet to find the end zone, but I think if you believe in uh, positive regression, that those end zone grabs will come very soon, especially since nobody else on the Chicago Bears seems to know how to uh, navigate to the end zone themselves. And Robinson's really the only wide receiver target generally. Like Taylor Gabriel has been filling in as a really good number two. I like Taylor Gabriel just fine. Um, but Anthony Miller was supposed to take a second year leap and he has like, I don't even know how many catches he has. It's not a lot. And it's been really terrible. And remember last year when Trey Burton was like the low key tight end, the super sneaky. Yeah. The guy who you needed to stash and and was going to be the super sneaky tight end. That was going to break out in a big way. Yeah. And I'm sitting here screaming at people that guys, he was the third tight end in Philadelphia. He was not like stuck behind Zach Ertz. No, he was the third tight end. He wasn't exactly uh, jumping off the depth chart there. Um, but so Allen Robinson, uh, he has some tough defenses coming up. But when you're the only receiver uh, that's worthy of getting some targets in that offense, uh, I think you just got to trust that you can make a move for him. And if he can slot in as a wide receiver too, then that's pretty juicy. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I've been on the Allen Robinson bandwagon for this whole off season. He, and when you watch the bears tape, he just looks like the number one wide receiver there. Like he is un- unquestionably the best receiver there. And he's probably one of the best 15 to 20 receivers in the NFL right now. If he just had like a decent quarterback who could get him the ball and let him make plays. Like he is very, very good. And you're hoping that with Chase Daniels, maybe he'll be able to see a little more of a accurate passer and can do something with more of those passes. But I think he's in a perfect situation to buy low on just because of what you said. People are going to be like, oh, Mitchell Trubisky to Chase Daniels. That's a downgrade. That passing attack, which has already sucked, is going to be even worse. Why do I want to invest anything into that? And so I think you can sneak in there, swoop in, low ball offer, and get Allen Robinson on your team who is going to eat right he's he's the michael thomas of the bears and just in the sense that like there's no one else who they're going to be passing to just in the way that there's no one else outside of alvin kamara who the saints are passing to so he's always going to get targets he's always going to have a heavy workload and he's a good enough wide receiver that he can turn that workload into solid consistent fantasy production yeah alan robinson is like sadly in the uh the andre johnson zone and that i mean no disrespect clark i'm sorry if you hear this but it's just you're just sitting there like can we please get andre johnson like a quarterback or like imagine what andre johnson can do if he had you know philip rivers throwing to him or even drew Brees or like any of the top anyone anyone who can throw the ball anyone who's not named matt schaub yeah anyone who's not named matt schaub or i don't even know if he was there for david carr but any just anyone and That that's what Allen Robinson has been like for his entire career. Because if you remember, he was in Jacksonville before. 
though, so Ugh. it wasn't great. <laughs> and even in Jacksonville, that was like Blake Bortles' one year where Allen Robinson was just showing everyone exactly what he could be if he had a halfway decent quarterback. So here's the hope yeah. that Chase Daniels is the answer, or that the Brown uh, that the Bears just decide that uh, Mitch Trubisky isn't the answer. And, you know, maybe they tank for Tua or they trade midseason for Josh Rosen. Who says no? I would cry. That'd be upsetting to me. <laughs> yeah. uh, before we I know go, Josh Rosen is good. Josh Rosen it. is good. He had a beautiful, he had some really nice passes uh, against the Chargers this week. That, that he is going to, if he, uh, if he amounts to anything, and I hope he does, everyone on this podcast wishes you the best, Josh Rosen. But if he amounts to anything in this league, it will be a miracle given just the start that is the first two years of getting drafted in the first round by the Cardinals, then getting traded because they got Kyler Murray and then going to the Dolphins where they did a tank job and will probably get Tua at their first pick and then he'll get traded. Like, what a what a terrible first two years for whatever the 10th overall pick. I haven't looked into the stats, but I want to see how many, um, how many pressures Josh Rosen has gotten and how many drop passes he has gotten. Because I thought not this past week, but the week before I thought they were going to beat the Cowboys. Yeah. Was well, Preston Williams had that bit. touchdown and then just couldn't hold on to it when he made contact with the ground. Yeah. I think he's showing yeah. enough. And I think that the Dolphins should just not worry about quarterback and they should build up their resources around the person that they already have, because guess what? If you draft a quarterback and still have the shitty team, your rookie is not going to be good. So exactly. Or you're going to do an Andrew Luck thing. Deshaun Watson thing where they're going to be running for their lives because they don't have an offensive line in front of them. And then the first five years of their uh, NFL career is going to be hampered by injury and inconsistent play because they can't be protected. Hmm. Funny how that works. A little something like that about that. Hmm. Josh fucking Rosen. (laughs) (laughs) He knows exactly what it's like to be drafted by a team with zero infrastructure. So Oh, poor Josh. Pouring some out for you, Josh. We're thinking of you. Uh, Before we go any further into the remaining three players that you should be trading for in your fantasy league, let us take a quick ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back with the three, the final three players that you should be training for in your fantasy league. And I'll start with uh, Austin Eckler, who I think people are very worried about given Melvin Gordon's return. But I would like to politely remind you that uh, he was the RB27 last year, even with Melvin Gordon uh, as the you know incumbent number one workhorse back. So we've seen Austin Eckler still get, he's not going to be the fantasy MVP that he has been through the first, 
three weeks of the uh, of the season, first four weeks. But he still is a viable fantasy player, right? We've seen the fact that this Chargers offense can support two fantasy running backs. And I really do think I, I'm not sold on the fact that Anthony Lynn is just going to hand the starting gig over to Melvin Gordon. If I were him, I would not make sense. Given how effective Austin Eckler has been in that offense, I would say, Austin Eckler, you're our number one back. Melvin Gordon, you're our one B back as you kind of get back into shape uh, and get back into football and, and that whole nine yards. And we'll use you. Maybe he's more of a goal line power guy or short yardage, what have you, change of pace. But I think Austin, I don't think Austin Eckler's touches are going to drastically change from where they are now to where to, to something like what they were last season. I think he's still going to see a fair amount of work from a game to game basis at the very least in the next, you know, four or five weeks as his offense integrates Melvin Gordon again. So if, if I'm looking for a running back who I think still has certainly flex value and could still possibly even have RB two value, I'm going to contact whoever has Austin Eckler and, really play up the fact that Melvin Gordon is going to take every single touch in Los Angeles and that Austin Eckler is going to see no fantasy relevance uh, stats for the next rest of the year. And and that, well, maybe I'll, I'll do you a favor by tossing you Paul Richardson for Austin Eckler. Then they'll be like, Oh, thank you. Thank you for giving me Paul Richardson. And you'll be like, Oh man, you know what? I just take pity on you for having to deal with Austin Eckler on your team right now. Yeah. I still like Austin Eckler, like you said, for a, uh, RB2 or a flex value because right now he's an RB1 and uh, even if Melvin Gordon uh, decides to come back and presumes the number one role I mean not decides to he is coming back but if he does uh, usurp and take the RB1 role in uh, Los Angeles I don't think that former running backs coach Anthony Lynn is going to be like, ah, we're just going to run with one running back now, even though we've been using two for the past couple weeks. And even all of last year, like Austin Eckler still had some decent fantasy value last year. So um, I think that Austin Eckler has proven that he deserves to get touches in the offense. And I think just adding Melvin Gordon makes the offense overall, like have more firepower just generally. So I, I'm still holding on to Austin Eckler or I am going to try to buy low. Yeah. That's uh that's the kind of insight that comes from the coach whisperer, Jordan Smith, who knows Anthony Lynn's whole coaching pedigree and, and knows that he was a running backs coach and that he's going to implement that and make it, make this offense even more potent. Yeah. I've been studying Anthony Lynn my entire career. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the autobiography or the biography is coming soon running through my life is that a good is that a good title for it <laughs> this is the best, uh, best i could do with it with a running back pun running back to my home the anthony lynn story <laughs> the anthony lynn story that is a book that everybody has been clamoring for <laughs> That is what's going to really jumpstart uh, your take your writing career to the next level. Jordan is the Anthony Lynn story. Uh, all right, last player who you have to be buying in fantasy leagues. Who are you saying? Um, this one's an, another one that's a little bit narrative based. It's Michael Gallup. Um, so bear with me on this analogy because I think it kind of holds up. There are some holes, but 
I think that without Michael Gallup these past two games, and you've seen it in the Dallas Cowboys offense, they've looked a little bit anemic. Like they haven't been putting up as many points. Dak Prescott as it looks like Dak Prescott may have missed his window to just get a dope extension. Um, but this analogy is, I was thinking about this today because of Randall Cobb, basically. So I think the Cowboys offense has started to look like the Packers in terms of pro- productivity. Uh, Amari Cooper, superstar, obviously the Devonte Adam role, um, Devonte Adams, uh, Randall Cobb, the Randall Cobb role in both. It Dallas always works too well. <laughs> He's, I mean, he is a very good wide receiver three. He is not equipped to be your wide receiver two. And I think Michael Gallup, before he got hurt, he was filling um, the Jordy Nelson role in Green Bay when Jordy Nelson, I mean, before he got slow and injured and whatnot, he was just a guy who could stretch the field, who really just opened up the entire offense. And I think that's what we saw in the first few games. Uh, the people who have been filling in for Anthony Gallup, Devin Smith, uh, we thought maybe he was going to put together, um, you know, some similar numbers, just plug him into the offense. But guess what, guys? Michael Gallup is just really good at football. Um, so it's hard to replace somebody who's really good at football. And once he gets back into the offense, I think that the the entire receiving core will just get back to normal they'll shift back into their residing roles and with Michael Gallup only playing two games I think that you can buy low on him and um, again go back to the positive regression he hasn't caught a touchdown yet either so I think if he continues to rack up the targets how many targets did he get in his first two games Uh, seven and eight targets uh, 78% of the snap share and 67% the following uh, week in week two so I think Michael yes, Gallup is not just a blip on the radar. No, I totally agree. And and I think the point that you made that's if I were looking to trade for Michael Gallup, I'd take the most comfort in is the is how bad the Cowboys or how different the Cowboys offense has looked without him. Which means that when Michael Gallup returns, he, it's not going to be like the, the that, you know, uh, Kellen Moore and the Cowboys have found a different way to run their offense and they're going to have to like work Gal back in you know it's going to be Michael Gallup comes back and Kellen Moore is going to be like oh thank god okay we're going to run what we've been running in week one and two that was so effective where Gallup's going to go deep and we're just going to have him open up the field for Amari Cooper and Randall Cobb and and maybe we'll hit some deep shots over the top uh to Michael Gallup I think he's a great receiver if you are if you are someone he's has a little bit of a risk but I think if you have a really stable team and you're like, you know what, I could do with a risk and maybe get myself, you know, if he turns out to be a wide receiver four for the rest of the season, hey, that's fine. My team can sustain that. But he could be a consistent flex, even wide receiver two. And I'm willing to like trade peanuts in order to get that. Yeah. And I get people, the offense and like the Packers and the Cowboys, they're not the same. They weren't the same with the timeline that I'm going here for the Packers, but it's about having the three receivers that you're going to use most in the roles that they, that make them most effective. Like Randall Cobb is not um, a number two wide receiver. And we saw that towards the end of his career in green Bay. And that's why they were comfortable letting him go. Cause they're just like, ah, we'll just roll with somebody else for the third. Mm -hmm. So once Randall Cobb is comfortably in his, uh, third wide receiver role getting the third most targets that's that's where the offense needs to be 
I like the narrative. I'm buying it. I am buying in, and now I'm contemplating making some um, buy-low offers, Michael Gallup, in my leagues. All right, the final player that you should be trading for in your fantasy leagues, uh, Josh Jacobs, running back for the Oakland Raiders. Don't trade for him now. Trade for him next week after he faces the Bears, so his value will be at the complete lowest, uh, and then they're going into a buy. So, I mean, you could even trade for him in two weeks after everyone's forgotten about him and after he's had one really bad game, what I'm assuming is going to be a bad game because the Bears defense isn't messing around. But after that, and I hate to do this to you, Jordan, but after that, the Raiders play Green Bay, Houston, Detroit, Chargers, uh, Cincinnati, and the Jets. All of those teams, except for the Chargers, are top 10 in most points surrendered to running backs this year. And it's not like he is having to win Oakland's backfield. He is the unquestioned starter uh, in in Oakland, no running backs even close to his carries. He's averaging 15.5 carries per game. Carries, not touches, carries. Uh, and is almost averaging five yards a carry. Um, he's had 3.7 a week one against the Denver. He had 8.2 against Kansas City in week two, 4.4 in Minnesota, and 4.6 in week four against the Colts. So he is a young guy who is a part of this offense uh, and has a consistent role and is about to face a cakewalk of a schedule after one really, really difficult matchup. And I just think that if he he's not had a great start to the season and it's probably not going to get better in the next week, but if he is someone, if you have someone in your league who has him and is panicking about him or is feeling very low on him, I would completely buy him unquestionably, get him on your roster and have him for that stretch of games where he could suddenly become one of the top five backs and or top 10 backs in fantasy. Yeah, he's definitely a good target to kind of beef up your win, to- win total towards the middle of the season. Uh, the only thing I would be worried about with rookies sometimes is that uh, if they're relied on too heavily to carry a load that they tend to uh, slow down towards the end of the season, just kind of hitting a rookie wall but you know what it doesn't matter if you're um, getting help make it to the playoffs and if you can uh, you know not spend a whole lot of good capital on bringing him in then the name of the game is making the playoffs so right yeah and that's that stretch that could push you into the fantasy playoffs because that takes you all the way up until week 12 and so maybe even then if he starts to slow down maybe you sell him after a solid whatever six weeks of production you sell high on him and then he crashes hits the rookie wall just to bring the other team down out of the fantasy playoffs you ride that sweet sweet wave all the way to a fantasy championship and 15 carries a game isn't really even a lot. Um, you know, if it was more like uh, they're just pounding him into the back of the offensive line for 25 carries a game, that might be a little worrisome. But who knows? Maybe they're uh, maybe they're actually doing something a little smart and saving him for November, December. Dare I say, John Gruden being intelligent. Yeah, and if you take away Denver... Very bold to think they're making <laughs> the playoffs, but, you know. But you never know with John Gruden. Yeah, Denver week one, he had 23 carries. And then after that, 12, 10, and 17. So you're right. It's not It's not as if he's been you know getting a huge workload to the point where he's just going to be exhausted by week 10. Um, and in fact, if you take away his week one carries, that, that average drops down pretty considerably, which can be a little worrisome just in the fact that maybe Oakland's just not running the ball or just won't give him enough touches in order for him to really be fantasy viable or to be you know an RB2. 
but I think that those matchups that he has coming for him are going to be good enough that even if he has 12 to 15 touches, he's going to score a touchdown and go for 80 yards, which is, you know, fantasy gold. Yeah, and he's a good pass catcher too. Um, the Raiders are once again in the zone where they have a tight end as their best receiver, which isn't always the best thing. That's in the not world, where you want to be. That's so confusing. Wow, crazy. Who thought? But yeah, I mean, if Josh Gordon or Josh Gordon, whoa, uh, Josh Jacobs can um, supplement some carries for some catches, that is pretty valuable, especially in PPR. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all right, to finish. <laughs> Staying, staying hydrated there. Sorry, I didn't realize I was running low. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, to wrap things up, uh, waiver wire ads for week five. One guy, if you could add them, who are you adding? I am going to, and this might sound ridiculous and preposterous. Um, oh, actually, you know what? I'm going to change my guy because I was going to say AJ Brown, but I'm not going to put enough faith. Plus, they play they play someone good whose defense I don't want to deal with the titans want to put aj brown in the andre johnson zone very badly yeah they so badly so badly and i'm not i'm not here for it um you know what we've spent a lot of time on this podcast wondering about the uh the situation here and i think we might finally be seeing the solution i'm gonna say ronald jones is the guy to go get ronald jones finally showed himself to be a starting capable back in tampa bay he got the full workload against the Los Angeles Rams. He had 19 carries, 10 more than Peyton Barber and had 70 yards and a touchdown. He also caught a pass for 12 yards. I, we've been saying all along that this Buccaneers offense and we've seen it throughout the season is explosive and can put up a lot of yards. And so any running back in this backfield has fantasy, has at least mild fantasy relevance. He's available in 43% of Yahoo leagues. Last time I checked. So I, he's someone who you can still add. Uh, and I would say, you know what, go get him, go get him, go see what he can do in this offense. And, uh, and I think hopefully Bruce Arians, this is going to be the week we saw what we, what we saw in week four was, will be enough to give him the more or less the full workload in Tampa in that backfield. Yeah. I like, um, I like when the Bucks offense is actually doing what it's supposed to be doing. And, um, when, you know, Chris Godwin's going off when Mike Evans is, also looking like he's returning to Mike Evans form. that just opens things up for the running backs and Ronald Jones looked like good and powerful as a runner. So I enjoyed it. Who are you adding this week? Uh, this one is a little bit of a question mark because who knows if he will just get usurped when um, the actual starter comes back, but uh, it's Ricky Seals Jones in Ricky. Cleveland. Um, yeah. He, as this podcast knows, and as regular podcast listeners uh, have noted, that Ricky Seals Jones is want to just randomly burst out and put together some pretty good games. And he did exactly that with Cleveland. Um, we know specifically that um, Baker Mayfield is better when he's running an offense with. Um, two tight ends on the field and Ricky Seals Jones uh, has been filling in admirably for David Njoku. He might be a person who is uh, a good spot start over the next week or so. I mean, I don't know when Njoku is going to be back. I feel like his concussion was like a two or three week concussion. It was pretty ugly. So um, yeah, if you're looking for tight end help, 
consider, you know, kicking the tires on them. Yeah, no, I like that call a lot, especially, I mean, we spent, we talked about it with Odell where the Browns offense, if we are going under the assumption, which I think is a fair assumption that the Browns offense is here, like this is what everyone wanted it to be. And now it's here. Ricky Seals Jones is good for four targets, four catches, 30, 40 yards, and maybe a touchdown. And you know, he'll, he's athletic enough to break some of those plays into turn them into bigger receptions. Um, but like there's not a lot of tight ends out there that's good that are available who can give you hopefully pretty regular production. And, you know, I like, I like the play. Yeah. When all eyes are on um, your two star wide receivers and Nick Chubb and combine that with, I'm not sure David and Joku's good. Um, He's a really good athlete, but I think we need to start having that conversation of whether uh, the, the breakout from him that we've been expecting at the tight end position is actually going to happen. We don't know. Yeah, I, I think that's a very fair question. So bet on Ricky Seals Jones. Uh, awesome. Well, there you go. So not only the players that you need to go trade for in fantasy, but also the players you need to go add. Uh, make sure to subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, the Fake Team Podcast channel. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. We will be back at you guys on Thursday to give week five starts and sits. Until then, peace.